0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production, now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts.
1: Okay, you guys, there is so much more to life than just workouts and healthy recipes. This is all of those real moments, the good, the bad, and the sometimes hilarious things that make life so worth living. So, how do you live it? This is the Let's Do Life podcast with me, Autumn Calabrese. What's up, you guys? Welcome to the Let's Do Life podcast. I am fitness and nutrition expert Autumn Calabrese. Today, we are talking with singer-songwriter Pia Toscano. I know a lot of you guys know her from being a finalist on the 10th season of American Idol, or you might know her from the Netflix docu-series West Side, and we were all first captivated by her powerhouse vocals and her beauty that reminded us of the greats like Celine, Whitney, and Mariah. But all of this wasn't just handed to her on a silver platter. It took hard work, lots of rejection, and a strong work ethic to even get to where she is now. And I don't know if a lot of people realize how hard it is to even make it on one of those shows what it takes to overcome anxiety when you are put out there in the public eye. But that's what we are going to talk about. And I want to congratulate her on a recent win for writing and vocals on the track for Brave that won Best Song at the Hollywood Music Media Awards for the film The Great Artist. So welcome to the show, Pia Toscano. How are you today?
2: I'm so good, Autumn. And I just have to say... I am such a huge fan of yours. I, I love what you do. I love what you stand for. And, and I'm so grateful to be talking to you right now.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I so appreciate that. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here. I love sharing stories of overcoming. And I love your story of the things that you have overcome. And I'm just excited for people to get to hear it. Because so many times they see somebody that's living out their dream. And they assume it came really easy. And that's rarely the case. So for our audience who may not know you, can you just tell us a little bit about your upbringing, where you're from?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I grew up in Howard beach, Queens, New York, um, from a big Italian family. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, we had music just running in our veins, like in our blood. Um, my dad, was a musician growing up. And so music was all around us. I have a a sister that's eight years older than me. And she's into music as well. But she's in the classical side of music. So she's a a percussionist. And, um, you know, I grew up started singing at four years old. Um, I started dancing when I was two and a half. Like I, I just had a desire to be on stage and performing I was very outgoing as a kid and but then went went through a very shy self-conscious insecure phase which you know is still very much a part of me that I you know fight against every time I step out on stage or do anything (laughs) but you know I I had a beautiful I have a beautiful very supportive family um My dad's the oldest of six. So it's a very lively, you know, environment that I grew up in and everybody was very, very supportive. And I'm just, I think most grateful that I'm able to do what I do and tour with the people that I'm able to tour with um, because my family is just like, I mean, they just get such a thrill out of it. And, and that's really exciting for me because They've been rooting for me since I was a child. They never told me there was, they never told me, I, you can't do this. They, they always saw, like, d- always told me to shoot for the stars. And so the fact that the things that I've dreamed about and that I've said, you know, I want to achieve this, I want to do this, that have actually come true is just so beautiful that I can share that with them.
1: I love that so much because that alone is a huge part of it. I like not everybody has that big supportive family especially when you have that kind of a dream, a dream to perform. I know like for myself I did not have as much support. I my dad definitely had moments where he was like, "Yes, go for it." He always told us if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Right. But he also had this other side where he was so protective. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little girl from the Midwest, like grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, that when I was like, dad, I want to move to California, to Los Angeles, he was ready to like tie me down. He was like, <laughs> he didn't want his baby like to have to go through and suffer and be challenged in all those ways. So there was definitely a part of him that wanted me to, but a part that didn't. So I love that your family has been so supportive the whole time. It's like a running yeah. joke in my family that I came out of the womb dancing because I, I was Now, my question is, it sounds like you came out of the womb singing. Did it just is it just like natural god-given talent came easy to you always?
2: Well, no. I mean, I did I I always had a I a love for of singing, but I I wasn't like a child prodigy singer. I really had to work to become to stretch my range, to find my voice. And then I struggled a lot with anxiety and, um, and nerves. So be also being very self-conscious. So I, when I hit that shy period, I really had to, I had to, I remember, so my dad was very supportive, but he was always always giving me tough love and he's, he's a, a tough critic. So I, um, I would spend every day. I remember my, my, like vacation from school when we had our summer breaks all my friends would be going out and I'd be downstairs my dad brought a bought a top-notch karaoke system that removed the vocals off the original records so I'd be making demo tapes and listening to Celine Dion and Whitney Houston and Mariah and trying to stretch my range not even knowing that I was stretching it right but I had a lower more alto type voice I didn't know I had a high like I didn't know I had the high money notes. I just know. I just knew then that I wanted to impact people the way Whitney, Mariah and Celine did me. So I would sing all those big, big songs and I wasn't very good. It just took constant repetition and, you know, focus and, and drive to spend all those hours, not hanging out with my friends and, you know, studying these incredible artist so my dad and then I'd put my dad would come home from work at like seven eight o'clock he'd eat dinner and then I'd put on shows for him every night and he'd be like you know pretty good you're getting better now try to hit it more effortless and it wasn't he was never like a stage dad kind of it it was not like that he was always encouraging but you know if he didn't push me in that way I would have never strived to get better you know yeah I love hearing
1: what you're saying because, like I said, so many people just assume like either you like you it was born God-given talent or you must have had a connection and and they like I said they assume it a lot with anybody that's sort of made it to their dream and what people don't see unless somebody makes a documentary real life story about your about somebody's life is the years of work that went into it and. No matter where you're at in your journey, even if you're going after a big dream right now, like there's, you're never too old to go after the dream, but they, ha- I want people to understand the amount of hustle and hard work that has to go behind it. So the fact that you just said, like, you were skipping time with your friends, you were putting it in, you were stretching it putting on the shows for your dad. I think that's such a powerful message for people of all ages to hear that if you want something, you're going to have to make some sacrifices to get it.
2: Totally. And I mean, I, it took me five times from the time I was 16 to 21 before I even made it on American Idol so tons of rejection they were always I mean Simon would laugh at me he'd literally he said to me there's not there's nothing at all interesting about you so no it's a no for me and I could have really let that break me and I actually took a year off after that because I was like well maybe there isn't anything interesting about me and you know that's hard to hear for somebody that already had confidence issues but I was like you know what no I'm not going to let somebody tell me what my destiny is. I'm not going to let somebody else determine that I know what God has instilled in me and I know what my purpose is. So yes, I have to work on my confidence. Yes. I have to work harder to, to tackle my nerves so that my voice isn't affected by, you know, if, if the the voice comes from it, all breath support. Mm-hmm. So if you're nervous and I shake when I'm nervous and if, if I'm not in charge of my breath and I'm not focusing on that, I'll sound like a different singer. I mean, I literally just before this call, I, I had to do all my my vocal warmups because having so much downtime in this quarantine and not performing and using my muscle the way I'm, I'm used to, it, it can get weaker. So I literally just warmed up right before this. You can never get comfortable or lazy. You just have to, you just got to, keep, keep moving and keep working.
1: I love this so much. Okay. So you, you quasi answered one of my questions. I want to dive a little. (laughs) No, no, no. It's so great. So uh, like you said, you auditioned five times for American Idol. So can you give me a little bit, give us a little bit more in depth? Like, did you make it a little further each time? You know, it was, you were in the 10th season. So who were your three judges? And like, were you getting positive feedback from anybody how did, can you just walk us through how those went?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I started when I was, my judges were Jennifer Lopez, Steven Tyler and Randy Jackson. But I started when I was 16. My dad, it was like the last audition city. He took me out to Las Vegas while I was in high school. We didn't know the whole process. We just thought you, you, you go and you audition in front of the judges and that's it. We didn't know that there were so many rounds just to get to the actual celebrity judges. So that first year, I didn't even get past the first round in the arena. It oh. was, it was like thousands and thousands of people. I didn't make it past round one. Round, uh, then the following year I went back and I made it to Hollywood.
1: Amazing. Um.
2: And then, yeah. So, but then I got eliminated the first round of Hollywood. I was really, really sick actually. Um, and then- went back again the following year. And I think Carol Diaguardi was a judge that year who I'm actually friendly with her now. She's a brilliant songwriter. She's amazing, but wasn't a fan of me that year. And which was fine because I, I wasn't able to show what I could do because my, like, my headspace wasn't right. I was defeating myself before I even walked in the room. And so um, it was Paula Abdul Simon- randy and i think cara diaguardi and um you know they saw the natural gift but you know this is a cutthroat industry if if you don't believe no one else is going to believe so that was really what i was struggling with and it's something that i have to work on every single day even now and so yeah i would I, i made it to hollywood then the following year didn't make it to hollywood then i took time off and then my dad kind of convinced me. He's like, All right, it's a new panel of judges. And uh, I, he's like, Jennifer Lopez is one of the judges. They're in New Jersey. I feel like she's going to like you. <laughs> you need to go and audition. <laughs> and I was like, Dad, they didn't like me all these years. They're not going to like me now. And, um, I I just, you know, I gave up that way of thinking after, you know, I said no a few times. And then we went. My dad drove me. I mean, he would wait online with me for hours, made friends with all the the security guards. He's a social butterfly. And he was with me every step of the way to Vegas, to Hollywood. And, you know, and then finally I had to like move in with all the idols. So he couldn't stay with me. (laughs) I I was an adult. So, yeah, that's kind of how the whole process went lots that, of rejection. That's amazing. Yes.
1: Yeah. So first of all, what an amazing dad, obviously. Yeah, he's great. Uh, lots of rejection. So what do you think it was that kept you going back year after year? Because we do see on Idol, we see people come back and they say, okay, we saw you last year. Yes, you've improved, but you went back five times. That's,
2: I think, that yeah. Yeah. Long- You know, I think it was my frustration with my own mind that I was not going to continue to let myself I mean, I wasn't a front runner either. When I made it um, season 10, I became like, one to look out for once I got on the stage. I'm not very good in the audition process and the more intimate settings. I'm some reason I'm better on a bigger stage my nerves kind of subside a little bit in those very, very high pressure moments. It's like the, the, the more intimate moments scare me. And, um, so I'm sorry, what was your question? I, I ramble well, so First much. of all, I get that. Cause sometimes
1: it's the most vulnerable moments, those small yeah. ones where it's uh-huh. much more intimidating. Yeah. And uh, like that too, like a few people around and I'm doing a live workout and I'm like, Oh, 10,000 people in the crowd. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> right. You almost yeah, found it out. But like when it's small and you feel it, it's so intimidating. I was just asking what, like, what do you think kept you going back oh. round after round? Because most people, you know, you, they get knocked down once they might get back up. They get knocked down twice. Maybe they'll get back up. But the third time, like most people are like, I'm out. This
2: is not for yeah. me.
1: But you went back five times
2: because I didn't want to be a victim of my own mind games that, that were like taking control because I felt like my mind was defeating me as opposed to my, my talent. And I really think God carried me through. um, Cause I I almost got eliminated. Nigel Lithgow, the executive producer of the show when I was finally making it past all the round season 10, they were really pulling for me, but they said, we, we didn't think like, thank God for this performance. I had a big performance in Vegas. I sang, um, doesn't mean anything by Alicia keys. And I finally like, whew, got like control over my voice. I showed what I can do. And, you know, he said to me, we, "We didn't think that you were going to pull through." I am so happy that you gave that performance. And then from then, I started to gain my confidence. I wouldn't, I, I couldn't let my mind defeat me, and, uh, and that, w- that's been an ongoing battle with me. So it's, it's less of the talent and thing. In my abilities there. It's, it's just when your mind takes over. Yeah. Well, so
1: let's yeah. talk about that for a second, if you're okay with it, because. Yeah. I suffer from anxiety. Um, it sounds like you do too. You said you weren't really a shy kid. When did when did it kick in for you?
2: It kicked in for me in the first grade. Okay. Um, I started to have issues. Um, I couldn't even eat in front of people at school. Like I couldn't like eat lunch. My mom would pick me up for lunch for every day. Sometimes I wouldn't even go back to school <laughs> because <laughs> I had such bad anxiety. And, um, so I, it started for me in the first grade and, um, I became very self-conscious and very scared. I, I grew up very sheltered. My parents were really, um, very nurturing of me, especially my mom. Um, I, cause of my anxiety and, you know, if the weather was bad, I would get nervous that something would happen to her. And I, I'd, in the therapist's office every day the guidance counselor's office at school and um and then I remember we had talent um there was like a talent like a few periods uh during the school day and we could choose what we wanted to do and there was choir but I didn't want to be in the choir because I knew that I I love to sing so much but I knew that if they they did call to audition me or give me a solo that I would have to sing in front of people. So I, I didn't want to do that. I auditioned for the band and I played the flute and um, my band teacher, I had to study for one of my tests. I went on the side in, in a room with very good acoustics. And my best friend, Jonathan was like, sing the national anthem. Cause he knew I could sing, but it, no one else really knew. And I started singing the national anthem and my band teacher came in and he was like, Oh my goodness. Why didn't we ever know that you could do this? And he's like, you have to open up the assembly tomorrow before we perform. And I was like, oh my God, no. But like, I was like, seize the moment, seize the moment. And so I remembered how I felt when Whitney Houston would sing the national anthem and that that was my dream was to perform the national anthem at the Super Bowl or at big sports events. And so I was like, this is your time. And so I kind of started to break out of my shell in the seventh grade because my teachers and my friends really encouraged me. And then from then on, I auditioned for performing arts high schools. And that's when I really started to find my way with singing.
1: That's amazing. So, so it's been with you for a long time. It sounds like it's something that you still sort of have to actively take control over. Do you have any like, go to tools like okay if i do a b and c i can use the, usually get it under control quickly
2: um it's a lot of just it's mind over matter for me it's prayer um i ha- i'm a little superstitious like you know i see a lot of like my grandpa's Birthday was October 13th. Mine was October 14th. When he passed away, I'd always, always, always see the number 13 or 1013 specifically before any big thing. Mm. And um, anytime I felt uneasy at 1013 would come up like so, it would be so crazy. And so those moments were comforting to me. I'd pray. I'd talk to my grandpa. Now my grandma is up in heaven too. And so, like, that is like, for me spiritually, like what grounds me, I just have those moments where I talk to God and, you know, I, you know, talk to my, it's, it's it sounds strange that I'm saying, I talk to my grandma and grandpa, but like, I, you know, I pray to them and, <laughs> and that's what, they had such a love for singing and music and they were such, they were like my biggest fans. So it's like, okay, I, I know you guys are going to be my angels. You're going to carry me through this. And God, whatever you want to come out of my mouth, whatever I'm supposed to do, however I'm supposed to impact people, you lead the way. And so I try to, I'm really trying to not look at it as my gift, as opposed to this is my assignment that God gave me. And you know, he, this is this is my gift for a reason because of the purpose that he had in mind for me. So I try to look at it more of that way as, as opposed to like self, 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 like, you know, in a selfish way, like, well, I can't be bad because then people aren't going to like me. It's more of like, how can I help other people with what I do? So I, if I, if I look at it that way, I gain more control over my nerves that it's not so much about me. Yeah. Sorry for the long-winded answer.
1: No, I love that answer. First of all, uh, my both of my grandparents, well, all three of my all of my grandparents are in heaven now. But um, my grandma, my, grandma and my dad, I was very close with. So I'm the same mm-hmm. way. If ever anything really hard is going on, I always talk to my grandma, and I swear, like, like I just can feel her presence when I need it. So I Absolutely. think it's beautiful to have such a connection there, and. I do a similar thing and I know, you know, not everybody will like everybody has their own spiritual practices. So I will say this, um, I love that you say, you, you know, you tell God, like, however, whatever he wants for you or sees for you. Um, I've, I do that as well. And I've also learned to sometimes use the word universe because some people find it more accepting.
2: Yes, so totally. Yeah.
1: Whatever, what you like, whatever the universe has for me, that is my greatest good. That I can help people, like lead me down that way. Whenever I'm starting to design a new fitness program or things like that, and I know it probably sounds silly to be like, it's just a fitness program, but I get to help hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people. So I always want to make sure that I'm putting my best foot forward. So when I start writing that program, like I just want to make sure I have all the positive energy coming around me. So I'll say that I'm just like universe, whatever is the greatest good that I can serve and help the most people like help that come out as I work on this program.
2: So absolutely. And honestly, I have to say like the 21 day fix and beach body, that was such a part of a huge part of me. I, I was actually a coach for a minute. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just loved it so much. I have my, my little containers. My, my sister-in-law is an avid Beachbody follower. Um, and, you know, it was such a huge part of us finding or me, especially finding my confidence again, and, and just being healthier and being more disciplined. And so I love I love what you do, because it's, it's just such a way of life. And it's amazing. And it's, it's something that's attainable that it, it's great. I, I it's one of my favorite programs. Thank you.
1: Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. I love how the universe just connects things. It's so cool. That's amazing. I know. My,
2: my sister-in-law is a coach too. She's, she's a coach and she's amazing. She transformed herself. Who is your sister-in-law? Uh, Natasha Fowler.
1: I feel like I know that name. I'm going to have to look her up because sometimes I recognize faces before I'll and, recognize the name. So I'm going to look her up.
2: And Z Slingsby um, was my um, coach. Oh, okay. Yeah. A small world.
1: Hey, y'all! It's them. It's Jamie.
0: It's Carly Hansen. It's It's Oliver Tree. What's going on? It's Ian Dior. We all know Valentine's Day is the most romantic time of the year. Whatever. My friends and I are about to turn the whole holiday upside down in our new scripted holiday series, Valentine's Day in Hell. we spent Halloween in hell. Now you're invited to be a part of our next musical podcast from our In Hell series. This time around the devil is playing games with all of our hearts trying to ruin our Valentine's Day plans by dragging us down to the depths of hell. In each episode, you're going to hear new original music from artists like Ian Dior, Jaden, Carly Hansen, and me. Tune into the Valentine's Day in Hell comedy, horror, musical podcast. Subscribe for full episodes, bonus material, and original music. This February, check out Valentine's Day in Hell, brought to you by Audio Up and Podcast One. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.
1: So you get. Pretty big stages these days, or at least you were performing on some pretty big stages before COVID hit. You yes. have been out on tour with JLo, Lo, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. First of all, I'm jealous because <laughs> <she's> everything. <laughs> no.
2: I love. She's her. amazing.
1: I got to go see. Um, I was at her 50th birthday tour in Miami. Um, I was there too. <laughs> and actually, Tony, our friend, was trying to connect us. She was trying to be yes. like, if you could meet up with Pia, it didn't work, but it's okay. So, <laughs> okay, so you're working with J-Lo, like the queen of entertainment. Yeah. What have you
2: learned? Yeah. From her? I mean, she's, first of all, she's so fearless, and she doesn't let anybody stop her, get in the way, or, or mess with her. She... um she had said to me when I got eliminated from American Idol, there's, there's going to be some doors that people are going to try to like slam in your face. You kick them right open. You never stop. You never take no for an answer. And you certainly don't let anybody's opinions ever cloud what you know is for you. And, um, so, I mean, I just watched, her every night, you know, I kind of did. I had to take a step in the background to, to find my purpose and to study and learn from her. Cause she, I mean, I would have been so foolish of me to step on stage with her every night and not just try to soak in everything that she, you know, she's, she does, she's a, she's a force. And I, what I love most about her is, is her confidence mm-hmm. and how much she believes and that, you know, she she's, she is limitless. And she think the sky, there's nothing that's too big for her. And that's what I love. And I, I want more of that in me. So I just, every night I'd be like, man, it's just, it's so chilling watching her. So I was like, I want to impact people that way. And so, you know, you, I, I just learned so much, not just like talent wise, just from the way she runs a business and, you you know, how she balances her family life with her career. It's just like so many good things.
1: That is, that has got to be one of the coolest experiences. Um, Yeah. Is a force and a boss and, and all of the things. So how cool to get to learn from her. Um, Also to bring your own, like you really do like your voice is incredible. So to be able to bring that and present it on that same stage has got to be so rewarding.
2: Yeah. I mean, she definitely helped me grow a lot. I honestly, that was some of my most fond moments um in my career w- was touring with her. And it was just, first of all, was so much fun. It was really challenging too, because she was like, you know, you, you can't get on stage with Jennifer Lopez and not give 110%. <laughs> right. And sorry. I said, right. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. And she, I I had gotten really shy when it came to dancing. Like even though I had danced for so many years, I, I never really believed that I was good at it. And she, you know, would, would give us these spotlight moments as singers in her show and we would be, have to dance as well. So she, and she pushed us and it was great. Like it was really such an amazing learning experience And you know, and she's, Ben's just so nurturing with me. So it was, it was great. That's great. Do you think what
1: she said to you, like when you were eliminated from Idol, is that what made you push that much harder to record your debut single? Like, or what was it that pushed you? Because, you know, again, after getting, finally getting that opportunity and being there and then, you know, disappointment along the way, you still came back and you still kept going.
2: You- yeah, I mean, I I definitely thought the night that I got eliminated was kind of the end of the road that because I finished ninth, I was like, all right, well, I didn't do that well, actually, but I kind of got, it was weird. I got like winner's press from it. Like it was it, the, the, the amount of support that I had gotten was, was mind blowing and something I never expected. And so, yes, I did take what Jennifer said with me, um, because right, like a few days later, I I ended up getting signed by Interscope, which was like a freaking dream within itself. And honestly, actually, when my dad told me that Jimmy Iovine and Interscope was involved with American Idol, that's what pushed me to really want to audition again too, because I was such a fan of that label. It was my dream record label. So yeah, so I did, what what Jennifer said to me, oh, it continues to stick with me because it's, I still, it's funny when people think, oh, you've made it, you've made it. I still don't think I've made it. I still think there's so much more work I have to do. And I have so much more of a story to tell now because just of the roller coaster that I've been on. Um, yeah. So you always have to keep that fight inside.
1: Yeah. I love that the hunger is still there because so many people can get complacent about it when they start to have success. Yeah. Absolutely. When It starts to fall apart. So I love that I can hear it. Like I just hear the passion in your voice and that by no means are you slowing down at all. I love that. Um, okay. If you could say it, I know, I know it's been a while since Idol, but what was the best part about that whole experience for you?
2: I think the best part for me, well, again, it was, I always go back to my dad because we had started watching it. I was 13 when the show came out and we would watch it as a family, me, my mom, my dad. And we'd literally cry at the finale every year, like when there was a winner announced. And I would always say to him one day, I'm going to be on that stage, daddy. And my mom and my dad, like, was like, we believe it. And we'll support you. But I think, oh my God, I lost my train of thought again. I'm on a cleanse right now. <laughs> no, okay. what,
1: what was the question? I, asking, I totally get it. Uh, it's me all week. I've been brain dead. I was asking, what was the
2: best part of
1: American Idol?
2: Oh, the best part was was the doors that flew open, you know, just being seen for the first time on that show and the opportunities that I, I still have because of that show. And it gave me just such a huge platform. Um, and then, just, you know, how happy it made everybody in my family. It just was, it was exciting for the community um, because it showed a lot of people that once you put your mind to something that you can achieve all things. And I think, you know, there were just so many beautiful things to come from it. And it's, it's such a beautiful journey that I was on. I mean, even the years that I didn't make it, it just taught me so much. So I'm forever, forever, forever grateful to that show. I think it's really interesting what you said before. You said you
1: were eliminated when you were in the number nine spot. And in your mind, yes. you didn't think that that was that great. But if yeah. you think about how many cities that tour goes to when they're auditioning and how yeah. many thousands of people show up to audition and never even make it in front of the celebrity judges and then get on the show, make it to Hollywood and get on the show. And that you made it through all of that into number nine, that's pretty freaking huge. Like there's probably tens of thousands that audition and don't get there at all. Like don't even, right? So I I just, I think it's interesting. And the reason I say it, I don't say it in a bad way, but I think we're always toughest on ourselves and think I could do better. I should have done better. And sometimes we don't stop and go, holy cow. I was number nine out of all of the U S and how many millions of people could be contemplating or even potentially trying it. So I actually think it's a a massive accomplishment. Um, okay. So you said the best part. let me ask you this. Was there a worst part or scariest part of American
2: idol? I think the scariest and worst part was the the fact that it was opened up to social media, like social media, Twitter became a thing that year, which was amazing, but it was, it was really hard to have like the keyboard warriors. Um, you're already dealing with your own insecurities. And then, you know, some nights you're the, the, the critiques from the judges were, you know, a little harsher than other nights and then you'd have to deal with everybody else's opinions on twitter and so that to me was very challenging because uh, you know you you get consumed in that and they say don't read it don't read it and then of course we're reading it every night i think um also to some of the stories that are written about you um that aren't <laughs> always true i didn't know what paparazzi was and all that stuff and tabloids and you know that was really challenging and then just not being near my family coming coming from such a a sheltered environment not having my dad and my mom with me my sister that that was a little scary for me
1: yeah that's that's definitely a lot to overcome but I think you've handled it with such grace um impressive Okay. They say the comeback <laughs> is greater than the setback. So yeah. after losing your record deal, since that was mm-hmm. a huge dream for you, were there times that you doubted yourself? Were there times where you thought about, okay, like I had it and I lost it. And so maybe I'm not going to keep going.
2: That was never an option for me. Uh, there were moments when I was like okay uh, how, I what what path am I going to be on now how am I going to get to where I need to go because the vision never changed for me I the, the the path to get there changed but like the the dream that I had as a four-year-old of being at the Grammys and singing at the Super Bowl and like all the, those things never died and if I ever stopped Chasing those, I would be letting down that four-year-old that was like just had these enormous like as, for, for, to know what you want to do from that young of an age. It's just it's it was just burning, always burning inside of me. So it was just like, all right, how do I get there now? Do I have to go the independent route? It was very challenging. You know, I I was scared that people would think, oh, she's a has been like there's so many other seasons now of American Idol. There's new talent. We don't care about her anymore. Uh, so there definitely were moments of doubt that crept in, but I I never had a moment of like, I'm going to give this up. That's awesome. That's, that's never been an option for me.
1: You can't have a plan B. Like when you want it that bad, there can't. There might be a different way to get to it, but there can't be a fallback plan. That's how I feel. I feel like if you want it right. bad, and you I, can give yourself an out.
2: Yeah, but I mean, it, it's it shifted where I don't, because now I I focus a lot more on my spirituality, I'm not a slave to the industry anymore. So I'm not like, it's not like, of course I still work super hard every day and my goal is to continue writing music and to continue performing and all that stuff. But it's more for, it's not for fame and for the material things. It's more for to get my story out there and to, inspire people and to help people as opposed to the vanity behind it, you know? Yeah. Which yeah. is
1: always bigger when it's bigger than you. It's just, I feel like when it's bigger than you, you push even harder, you push more because it, it is, if there's a bigger purpose.
2: Yeah. Cause more. now I genuinely feel like it's an assignment as and as opposed to, and when i say assignment i don't mean like a like a draining tedious thing i just think it's it's my purpose and my duty um but it's not something like i i won't be a slave to the industry or sacrifice sell my I, there's sacrifices that you have to make but not like when it comes to you know selling your soul just to be noticed or seen that's shifted in me whereas I didn't really understand that when I was younger, I felt like I had to do any and everything, you know, within means of of course, but um, now it's like, you know, you don't have to say yes to every opportunity. Not every opportunity is a good thing. So yeah, the drive, the fight and the goal is still there. It's just understanding my purpose.
1: That's awesome. What advice would you tell people out there who want to give up on their dream just because it hasn't worked out as quickly as they want it to?
2: I just would whatever people you know pray to and believe in, I would say that you know whether it's the universe, God, whoever, um that there's there's a plan and it doesn't always go according to our timelines. There's certain things that we need to go through to build our character to just strengthen us for what we're about to achieve. You know, a lot of times we get these roadblocks to to make us stronger mentally. And it's that for me, some, I would always say, you know, rejection sometimes is God's protection. Mm-hmm. And that was how I just kept forging ahead and how I stayed inspired was, but it, it's, it's actually true though, because if I had made it back then, I think I, w- I would have been a totally different person. I think I would have struggled a lot more with internal mental like you know things like where I would you know I said mental in like a weird way but I meant like you know the like the mind things that we go through like we we, we do pay so much attention to keeping ourselves looking a certain way physically and th- you know we need to do those things because they help our our mental health as well I think I would have lost myself a bit so I do feel like the path that I'm on now, yes, it's taking a lot longer, but I have so much more of a story to tell. I have so much, I can help people in a different way now. And I I couldn't do that then.
1: I think that's so true. I've said that about my journey is that, you know, took way longer than I thought it should take. Like I know. Um, And looking back, and you'll never know this until you sort of get to where you're supposed to be. But looking back, I'm thankful for every door that was closed in my face because it made me work that much harder. And I learned that much more so that by the time the Beachbody opportunity came up for me, I was ready for it. I wouldn't have been ready for it had it come to me even a year earlier or two years earlier. So while I wanted it so bad and I wanted it right now, I'm always so thankful that it took the exact amount of time that it took because I just wouldn't have been ready for all that was about to come my way otherwise. I know you were busy touring in 2018, 2019. You were traveling the globe with Andrea Bocelli. You were with David Foster. And then the pandemic hits. It grounded everybody, but obviously, you know, people out touring. So how did you spend 2020 sort of preparing for 2021? And- I'll get to my last question in just a second. Let's go there first.
2: Well, I mean, it was definitely jolting quite scary um, because this would have 2020 would have been my busiest year yet. It would have been my best, maybe not my best. Who knows if it would have been my best. But, you know, um, in terms of work, it would have been the busiest year for sure. So that was a little scary because everything stopped. We thought it was only going to be like a three week thing and and it's ongoing as we still know we're we're in it now still, but it was good to slow down a little bit and really focus on, you know, now I can survive with just being simple. I got, being more minimalistic and not needing certain things. Like we, we can survive with a lot less than we had imagined we could. And so some relationships of mine, you know, got better, you know, and there was like a lot of internal work that was done that we're, we distract ourselves so much with things. And for me, you know, always doing stuff, always needing to feel busy and always being on the road. And I, I wouldn't deal with some things internally that I needed to to deal with. And so it was great just to center myself a little bit. And okay, so like in the beginning of the pandemic, I was constantly singing, doing live streams and stuff, but then it kept going on and on and on. So you're like, all right, what am I going to do now? You kind of developed some not so great habits. I know I was drinking wine like every single night um, because I was just like, when is this going to end? So it was kind of like a roller coaster. I would go from being super disciplined to, you know, all right, how do I make this downtime go a little quicker? (laughs) But yeah. And it's just like, and then there was moments of panic, sheer panic, like, okay, do I need to figure out another career path? Not because I, I want to give up or anything, but I need to provide, you know, for my family and, you know, need to put food on the table. Those moments got scary. But again, like I, I've been in, around so many beautiful people that have helped me that have, you know, had virtual shows and, and it actually opened my eyes to new things. I started taking, acting classes virtually I uh, learned how to wear many different hats because you know you have to be your own sound engineer your own uh, cameraman you you have to do so many different things so that's kind of I I actually now have more content because every virtual show I do I just throw up on YouTube so that's amazing so you know it's been It hasn't been all, it hasn't been bad. Of course, the loss that, you know, people have gone through, um, you know, that's really, uh, it's just heartbreaking. But, um, you know, it's really made us all slow down and, and look at things a lot differently. So what is in store for you for 2021? well because of this downtime I've really been able to focus on myself musically and get back in the studio and um I'm working with some amazing songwriters and producers um that and one is Nazri that um I probably just said his last name wrong and he's gonna kill me but um he's fantastic and um he's helping me to really tell my story now and um doing some stuff i usher was a part of some stuff too and um a producer named jimmy harry and jared lee and davy nathan christy young's just really incredible people that i'm just so grateful that i get to work with and i get i get to you know it's basically therapy these writing sessions are like therapy to me and i get to um make all my thoughts and and visions come to life with people that I've always dreamed of working with. So (laughs) long story short, new music will definitely be coming out in 2021. I actually just went over the timeline today with my team. And um, so, yeah. And then hopefully I'll be doing a lot more with acting and uh, hopefully we'll be getting on the road again in October, but we'll see. Fingers crossed, right? Yeah. I just, my main thing now is just, having peace in whatever circumstances thrown at me, just really finding peace and and joy and happiness in whatever circumstances or whatever obstacle comes my way.
1: That's really the only way we can look at the obstacles. Obstacles are our way. You guys, they are leading you to your biggest purpose and your greatest happiness. I am so thankful to have had you on the show, Pia. I love your story. I think it's so inspirational. I love the attitude that you bring towards your career. And I'm just so thankful that we got to hear from you directly. Do you want to say anything? Do you have any last little bit of advice to our fans listening that, like I said, we're, we're talking about the struggle and overcoming the struggle and never giving up on your dream. Do you have any last piece of, it, of advice for them before we go?
2: Just for, I would just say like, if you could work as hard on the internal stuff and the mental stuff as you do on your craft and, and your dreams and goals, because you, you want to be able to believe wholeheartedly in yourself without a doubt, no matter what, people say, no, you can't do this, no matter what their opinions are. The one thing I wish I would have worked a little harder on growing up was the belief in myself, because that's what keeps you going. That's what keeps you persevering through whatever circumstances and situations that come your way. So the the belief in yourself is the most important thing. So Humbly be your biggest fan and and work just as hard on keeping yourself centered and grounded as you do on whatever dream and goals you have.
1: There it is, you guys. Don't stop believing that is the bottom line. We're doing life and we have to do life with the belief that we can do and have anything that we set our hearts and our minds to. Pia, thank you so much for joining us. I wish you all the best in 2021. You guys have a great Thanks. day and um, we'll talk to you next week on Let's Do Life. Thanks for listening to the Let's Do Life podcast with me, Autumn Calabrese. This show is produced by Will Sterling for Podcast One. Be sure to download new episodes every week and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at Podcast podcast1.com. And don't forget to leave a rating and review.
0: Within the bowels of hell, the devil scrolls through Instagram and TikTok, looking for fresh souls to enslave. Yo, yo, yo! What's up, my jits? It's your boy, Jaden Extra, here with some... Who are these people? Easy pickings for possession, your Lord Darkness. Uh, they are truly unbearable. I believe they refer to themselves as influencers. Do you have anyone particular in mind? Hmm... Money, money, money. Him. My numbers are way down, babe. Uh, I need to change it up. Didn't you see that Halloween video Machine Gun Kelly made with the devil? He's like huge now. All because he sold his soul to the devil. This could be my big chance. I'm not having this conversation. It's wrong, Jaden, and it's evil. I'm done with the drama, fam. Just leave, all right? And you're not coming to Cabo with me.
1: I hate you.
0: Hey y'all, it's Ben What's up, it's What's up, it's Carly Hanson Hey y'all, it's Oliver Tree Yo, what's going on, it's Ian Dior And we all know Valentine's Day is the most romantic time of the year Whatever My friends and I are about to turn the whole holiday upside down in our new scripted holiday series, Valentine's Day in Hell. Are you familiar with the work of Anton LaVey? Is he on TikTok? No, he's not on TikTok. Dumbass Anton Zandor Levay He's the dude who founded the Church of Satan I'm starting to fear that maybe you're messing with powers that are far beyond your cognitive comprehension, Jaden I got it, bro I've seen a version of this movie 20 times You're like the badass demon hunter And I'm just some little shit who is messing around with things he doesn't understand And in the end, I'll get all messed up And it will be up to you to, like, save me First, we spent Halloween in hell. Now, you're invited to be a part of our next musical podcast from our In Hell series. This time around, the devil is playing games with all of our hearts trying to ruin our Valentine's Day plans by dragging us down to the fiery inferno in the deepest depths of hell.
2: Demons, place a hood over Jaden and escort him to hell.
0: This is your fault, Oliver. I know Jaden came to you for help. Satan has picked Jaden for some reason. Now it's up to us to make this right. So who's with me? I'm with you, Oliver. I'll go. What about you, sad girl? I'll kill some people if that's what you want. Then that leaves you, Clappy. Count me Oliver. Besides, I ain't got nothing to do. Might as well spend my Valentine's Day in hell. In each episode, you're going to hear new original music from artists like Ian Dior, Jaden, Carly Hansen, and me, Fountain. Yeah. <laughs> Subscribe to the Valentine's Day in Hell podcast for full episodes, bonus material, and original music. This February, check out Valentine's Day in Hell. Brought to you by Audio Up and Podcast One. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.